Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I'm Mike Broadbent. Joining me is Rutgers beat writer Chris Epst- Craig Epstein. I always <laughs> that's okay. you and Chris being uh, I don't know the C names mess me up. But Craig he looks Epstein's very here. alike. I know. <laughs> I think that I don't want to insult you, Chris. I'm sorry. No, that's all good. Sorry about that. Um, so we got a lot to talk about. We have the Michigan State coming up. Uh, Michigan State game coming up on Saturday. We have a game tonight against uh, Sacred Heart in basketball. Game two of the season, and we also have a little bit of uh, Olympic sport talk that I want to get into. Uh, but first, this podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Uh, basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one resource for all your sports betting needs this season. You always find the, the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends on Bet Online. Uh, and as your continued source for all your sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. It's always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NBA, NFL, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. You could head to betonline.ag and join. You receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Uh, make sure you use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Uh, bet online where the game starts. Just saying, I mean, if you bet Jets money line last week, I mean, you'd make some serious, some, some serious deal rate me there. I know. Uh, <laughs> one of the more improbable results this season. And, and you guys had the ad bonus of maybe, you know, you know, cutting his arm off basically. He's got a, a, UC, he's got a UCL sprain, which uh, for those of you who follow baseball will know that that's basically um, not great for somebody who has to throw the ball because if you have a sprain, that means it's partially torn, which you really can only heal with surgery or with rest. And I don't think they're going to rest him. So no, he said he's day to day. So I, I'm assuming he's going to be end up being all right. Um, maybe he'll miss the game on Sunday just to get, you know, because you don't want to throw them back out there. I mean, they've created, although, you know, the Jets and the Dolphins are breathing right down their necks, so it's not like you can take too many games off. So, yeah, but I think he'll end up being okay. Because, I mean, you saw him throw the ball 70 yards right afterwards, which is just nuts. Yeah, I, I want to say it was like the longest um, pass of the season in terms of air yards. Um, yeah, so I think it was. Couldn't have felt you that bad. broke it up? Sauce Gardner. Right. He's been incredible, but enough Jets talk. We got Rutgers <laughs> talk to, to go over here. Uh, Rutgers is four and five on the season, one and five in conference. They're heading to East Lansing this weekend to take on Michigan State Spartans. Michigan State has an identical record to us. They're four and five, but two and four in conference. They started off the season kind of uh, in a in a rut. Uh, they started off two and four. Um, they lost at Washington. Uh, versus Minnesota at Maryland and then versus Ohio State. Um, but they've kind of started to turn things around recently. They've won two of their last three. Uh, their two wins have come against Wisconsin and on the road against uh, a ranked Illinois. Uh, obviously, that was uh, broken up by the, the loss at Michigan, Helmet Gate, or whatever you want to call it, uh, Tunnel Gate. Um, so Michigan State ended up somehow overcoming that last weekend in a big upset on the road. They will be missing eight scholarship players for this game, uh, three, including three starters. Um, probably their best defensive player, too, in Jacoby Winman, who 
uh, we actually showed some interest in the transfer portal last year. Uh, but this is a team that, you know, if Rutgers has any hopes for making the bowl this season, this is a game you have to win, you, you would think, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, look at the – honestly, I'll be honest. I'm not, At this point in the game, I'm not really expecting Rutgers to make a bowl game, I'll be honest. I mean, maybe, maybe you beat the, maybe you beat Michigan State. You can look at Maryland as your last chance, but Maryland is still a good team. Playing them on the road, that's just, that's mm-hmm. a tall order. And honestly, I, I personally, I don't see it, but I guess you never know. And you just look at it from the flip side, from the Michigan, Michigan State perspective, they're probably looking this, looking at these next two games as this is our chance to get bowl eligibility. Cause like you said, that Illinois game is, was a big win for them. Now they got Rutgers coming up, which is a winnable game for them. Then you got Indiana, which is a winnable game. So there's your six wins right there. And then they got Penn State last game of the year, which, let's be honest, they're probably not going to win. So, yeah, I mean, from both sides, this is probably you going in with a must-win perspective. It's just – it's right now it's really tough for me to say Rutgers is going to come away with the win just because we don't know. Like, w- really, at this point, it's hard to predict Rutgers because the off with going with the QB change so late in the season – it's just it's just so hard to say what you're going to get. I mean, yes, Gavin, for that first half, Gavin, you saw Gavin, you're like, oh, this is the quarterback, you know, you've been hoping for. He's making quick decisions. He's looking good. But then the second half comes, and then he kind of falls back to the freshman mistakes. I mean, just the interceptions were just bad. So, yeah, it's just it, right now it's just really tough to tough to predict what kind of Rutgers squad you're going to get. If they like, if they can, if they can replicate that first half for four quarters, and yeah, they can beat Michigan State. But it, I just think that's just, I just don't see that happening. Yeah, it, it'll be tough for them to 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 beat any team on the road right now, um, unless they play like a flawless game on offense. Um, obviously, if we do get, you know, the first half. Uh, Gavin from last week, we definitely stand a chance because I don't think this Michigan State team is is unbeatable. I don't even think you know that's that's a very tough word to use. I'm sorry, but I'd say no. they're a vulnerable team. Um, they they are a team that if Rutgers plays an above average game, they could win. Uh, this game opened up as Rutgers being a ten point underdog, and it's moved a little bit down to Rutgers being a nine and a half point dog. Um, Obviously, it's a, it's a road game in the Big Ten, so it's always going to be a challenge. They're, they're led by a, a quarterback in Peyton Thorne, who's now in its third year starting uh, for Michigan State. That he started mid he started uh, he got the starting job midway through that 2020 season. Uh, if you guys remember, Rocky Lombardi started against us game one, and I think that might have been his only start season that year. Um, but Peyton Thorne's been pretty good uh, last year. He at 3,200 yards, 27 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. This year, those numbers have come down a little bit, um, but his completion percentage has, has gone up a tick. Um, so this is an experienced quarterback. Um, they don't really have that great of a defense. Like, they're 105th in total defense in the FBS. Um, they allow a lot of points, but they have kind of changed their defensive philosophy in the last few games, from what I understand. They were running a lot more nickel. And now it sounds like they're running a lot more 3-4. Um, but I, I do think this is a team that Rutgers can take, can move the ball against. I don't see any reason why. I mean, it sucks that we don't have Sam Brown. I, I do think Sam Brown would have made a big difference these last few weeks in, in how this offense goes. But uh, Rutgers should be able to, get, to move the ball against these guys. 
Yeah, I just have a feeling you'll, you're going to know fairly early on what kind of game you're going to get. If Rutgers can stick around, I think they're like in the first quarter, halftime. I don't, I don't think this is going to be like the Michigan, a, a case of Michigan where it's close at halftime and then just becomes a, like, you know, a blowout in the second. I think if Rutgers can hang around in the beginning, then they'll hang around till the end. But also on the flip side, if one side kind of takes control early on, then I think it's you might be looking at maybe a one-sided type of thing. But so I th- I kind of think early you're going to know early on what kind of game you're going to get. Yeah, because I mean on the season, Michigan State. I mean they're 105th in total defense in terms of yards per game. They're 109th in terms of total offense in yards per game. So metrically, this team's not very good. Um, I think it all comes down to how Gavin plays and how how much Nuns is able to kind of craft a, a game plan to really attack this this Michigan State team that's down some pretty good players. Like Jacoby Winman is going to be an NFL draft pick next year. Like he's a very good player. I think he had four sacks in their opening game. Um, he's just a guy who they're going to miss on defense. And uh, even though they won last week, I, I, I don't see, I don't think that's going to mean they don't miss him moving forward either. Um, who would you say is kind of a key player if Rutgers wants to pull out this victory on Saturday, other than Gavin, obviously? Yeah. Honestly, the, I'm thinking about it. Well, offensively, I would say Sean Ryan. I think we kind of saw some more glimpses last week of the type of receiver he can be. He's like, for the most part, he's been. I think he's been kind of quiet this year, just but that's just because I think Rutgers' offense has been just bad. But last mm-hmm. week, you kind of saw some more glimpses of him being like a true like more of a number one receiver. He was going up getting some 50-50 balls. He had some yards after the catch. So if if Sean Ryan can become, I guess, like every quarterback seems to have love to have a guy that's kind of their security blanket. So as long as I think Sean Ryan can develop into being that type of guy, or maybe the kitty cat, I don't know. But I think Sean Ryan can develop into that type of guy. And if Gavin can start relying on somebody like him with that you know veteran leadership, and a guy that he, when he gets in trouble, can say, "Hey, I'm just gonna let me throw this up for you, and and you can come down with it." So I'll be interested. I'll be interested to see more of Sean Ryan uh, this upcoming uh, game. Yeah, for sure. And, and I'll go with somebody on the defensive side of the ball. I'm going to say Max Milton has to have a game at some point this season where we're reminded as why he had so much hype coming into this year. And I do think. Michigan State's going to give us opportunities to win this game. We just need to capitalize on those. And I, I want to see Max Melton really shut somebody down. Uh, they do have two decent receivers. Um, two guys on their team have over 400 yards receiving this year. And Keon Coleman, who leads their team with 38 catches for 574 yards and six touchdowns. And then you have Jalen Reed, who has 41 catches for 458 yards and four touchdowns. Um so we're really going to need our secondary to step up here because their rushing offense is not good at all. Like they're one of uh, 12 teams in the FBS that average under 100 and uh, that average as a team under 100 yards per game rushing. It's almost teams, like they miss uh, Kenneth Walker. The, it's almost like they miss Kenneth Walker the third. Yeah, it's almost like they do. <laughs> uh, it's crazy what happens when you take, you know, arguably the best running back in the NFL away from a college team. <laughs> um, and that's not to say he is the best, but he's been fantastic the last few weeks. And it's funny when you look at in terms of the rushing offense yards per game uh, at the bottom of the charts, you have Iowa at 118, you have Temple at 122, you have Indiana second to last at 130, and you have Boston College at 131. <laughs> now, 
could part of the reason why they're so low be because they've all played Rutgers already? It could be. Like, they might be dragging their average down. But this is a team that we're probably going to be able to, to take on on the offensive uh, rushing side. We just really need to be able to stop them through the air because that's really the only threat they have on offense. Um, so I want to see I want to see the secondary step up, and I, I'm specifically mentioning Max Melton, but it could be any of those guys. We need to when the opportunity presents itself, when a ball is thrown their way, it can't be a pass breakup. It's got to be an interception return for some decent yardage to help the offense out. Hmm. That's a good call. <laughs> Um, so normally you have a guest on who can kind of talk more and more about the, the inside issues about that team. It would have been nice to hear a Michigan state perspective about, you know, the tunnel incident to hear how their NIL programs going, especially cause they're like particularly shady about their NIL stuff. Um, if you take a look at, you know, over the last year or so, what's been posted about certain New Jersey players, what they were offered to go to Michigan state, um, but ultimately, Craig, how do you see this game going? I know your prediction will come out tomorrow in the war room, but how do you see this game going for Rutgers? Honestly, I do think this. I think this will be a pretty close game. Uh, I think. I think. I think Vegas kind of has it right in that nine. I think it's a nine and a half range. I kind of feel like that's pretty. I do feel like that's a pretty accurate prediction there. I think Rutgers. Well, st- I think it'll be. I think it'll be a fourth quarter game. But by the end, I think Michigan State will just prove just to be too much for them. And I think, I think you'll see better. I think you will see improvement with uh whims and the offense, but I don't think it's going to be to the point that they're going to win a game like this, but I do think you'll, you'll come away feeling a little bit happier about the offense and feeling that they it's, it's, it's tough because there's only a few games left. So it's like, you can come away feeling happy, but then at the same time, there's only like a couple more games left against, against yep. Penn state and then <laughs> Maryland. So it's, is, I guess that you would have to feel good about the next season, and it's so weird to already kind of be thinking about next season. But I do feel like you'll come away from this game, you know, not happy about the loss, but you'll be happy about kind of the progression and the way Gavin, the the process that Gavin's going through moving forward. No, that's fair. Um, for me, I'm going to give you, you know, two trees to how I see things going. Mm-hmm. Um, if Rutgers can limit turnovers, and that's a big if. But if, if Gavin doesn't throw an interception this game, I think we win. We've seen every time a young quarterback on our team has, you know, been turnover prone, we've gotten blown out, even games that were close for most or all of the game. Like, if you take a look at, you know, some of the scores on Rutgers' schedule this year, it looks pretty rough. Like, Iowa 27-10, Minnesota 31-0, Michigan 52-17, we all watched those games. We all know what they were for you know half to three quarters of the game. They were close games, and then turnovers really just kind of blew them open. So I do think that if, if Gavin specifically doesn't turn the ball over, I think we went on Saturday. Now he hasn't hmm. shown through you know any of his starts that he doesn't turn the ball over. So I don't see that happening. Yeah, but I think I saw Steve turn- Politi- Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I, think, but I was going to say no, I think I saw Steve Politi write that like he's thrown nine interceptions and ninety pass attempts. So when you're throwing yep. kind of like 10% of your throws are interceptions, I don't, my math might be off. No, I think my math is right there, right? I mean, but if you're like 10% uh, so of your nine, throws. Yeah, nine on, yep. That's right. So yeah, that's, yeah, I'm not even a math major when I knew that, but that's what I'm <laughs> Look at you. But uh, if 10% of your pass attempts are interceptions, not good. Not good, that is for sure. Um, 
So yeah, that's that's kind of my not so bold prediction. So if if Gavin doesn't turn the ball over, I think Rutgers wins twenty four to seventeen. If he throws one plus interception, I think they lose, uh, but they still cover the spread. So I'll say, you know, the opposite score. So twenty four seventeen Michigan State. If Gavin turns the ball over, hmm. anyway, that's a bit of a chicken shit answer, but. Um, <laughs> That's just kind of how I see it. I think if we protect the ball, we should win this game. Yeah, I do. Um, I do think it's a winnable game. I just don't think they're going to absolutely. Win. <laughs> no, it's. I mean, it's a tough game because Michigan State still bowl eligible. They showed that they still have some fight last week, beating you know a very good Illinois team on the road, despite it being the game after you know a very uh, um, high profile incident. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we shall see. Um, but we have a basketball game tonight. Uh, if you're listening um, the day we release this, which is Thursday, you'll get a little bit of a preview. If you're listening to it, you know, Friday or Saturday, uh, you know, you'll be able to see in hindsight if we were right or wrong. The Rutgers plays at home tonight. You can put it in freezing Sabre cold Park. takes. Yeah, you can put it in freezing cold takes. <laughs> um, so they play Sacred Heart tonight. Um, and if, if we're looking at uh, Ken Palm, Sacred Heart is ranked 295th today, and Rutgers is ranked 42nd. So this is a game that Rutgers should look really good in. Like, look as it should look a lot like the Columbia game. Um, but I do think Sacred Heart is way better than their their Ken Palm ranking. Uh, the first game of their season, they actually beat I think Radford on the road by seven points, and Radford I think it was Hartford. They're ranked. It was Hartford. Sorry. Yeah, I think it was. I, th- I believe it was Hartford. Yeah, Got Hartford. It. All right, sorry about that. Hartford. Okay. Uh, so Hartford's not very good. They're ranked four, 343rd out of 363 teams in Ken Palm, but it's still a road win opening day. Um, they do have some pretty dangerous scorers. They have a a guy named Joey Riley who scored 23 points against uh, Hartford. It's five to seven from three, and that's kind of the guy that's always hurt Rutgers. Is those guys who just can, you know, shoot the lights out, go on a high, hot streak to start a game. Um, so that being said, how do you see this game going tonight for Rutgers? What do you want to see more out of the team? What's your general idea of how this will go? Yeah, to be honest, I think this should be a blowout. Uh, basically, I feel like everything Sacred Heart does, like all their weaknesses are kind of Rutgers strengths where they're not a great rebounding team. I don't think they have a player that's above 6'8", so right there, Cliff Cliff should just feast both, uh, offensively and defensively on that those type of guys. And basically, I think Sacred Heart, like you said, the only kind of the only kind of thing they do well is kind of shoot threes. So as long as Rutgers can limit the their three-point makes, like this, I think it just should be a pretty easy win. That's the only way I think Sacred Heart is going to stay in this game is if they just shoot the lights out from three. But, I mean, Rutgers, I mean, just look at it. Rutgers just has the better players. And as we saw against the Columbia game, outside of those, like, few minutes where Columbia made it uh, a pretty close game kind of going to halftime, but then right after that, Rutgers just clamped down again defensively. I forget they went on – I forget exactly what the run that I, uh, the run they went on in the second half. It was like forty something to like I don't even remember. I'd have to look it up, but yeah, they just they just they just completely clamped down defensively, and they would to me that's that's going to be Rutgers' bread and butter this season. Is that they're going to be you know a very defensive hungry team. They're going to try and limit second chance opportunities. 
they're going to, and that's the, and as we've seen over the years, they're, they're typically their defense is what propels their offense. And as you saw in the last game, Ken's Cam Spencer kind of showed us some uh, glimpses of what Rutgers fans hope for. He was pretty, pretty decent from the, uh, from the three point line. And even a guy like Andre Hyde, who I think we've kind of been, uh, kind of been quiet about this off season. I saw he got a double double. So yeah, the, the, the depth for Rutgers is kind of looking good so far. Uh, so between Cliff, between Cam, between Andre, so far Rutgers. I mean, it's one obviously just one game, so there's so much season left to go. But so far, it kind of looks like Rutgers, like I said, is going to be a very defensive team, and the depth is going to hopefully be one of their strengths. Yeah. So kind of getting back to what you were talking about um, against Columbia. So last year we struggled early against a lot of weak opponents because we would get out to these leads and then we would just let these teams get back into games and just stay frisky. And this is kind of the, the first half of how is how a lot of those games went last year, where we would jump out to an early lead and then slowly let them back and then never really find a way to like reestablish dominance. But the second half was nothing but Rutgers dominance. Like Rutgers outscored them in the second half, uh, 36 to 14. So they just like really put the pedal to the metal in the second half and just actually, sorry, 46 to 17, I bet. Or 46 to 14. Jesus. I think it was four. And I'm looking up right now. It's telling me 44 to 14. But either way. 44 14. Jesus. Yeah. Either way. I mean, they just completely one sided in that second half. I mean, yeah, because they got it down to a four point lead um, with two minutes left in the first half. And then Rutgers from there just supernova. And it wasn't (laughs) close. It was just a fun game to watch. Everybody. they, yeah, they cleared out the bench. Um, I thought Cam Spencer was incredible against Columbia. Like all assets, like in all facets of the game, like he was, you know, he got six steals. He was just—he's not like a clamps, clamp, clamp you up type defender like Caleb is. He's mm-hmm. just more of one of those guys who is able to disrupt passing lanes. He's able to, you know, poke his hand in there, and when a guy's you getting doubled, like he just. He's a guy who hustles. Like he's very similar to Paul in that aspect, where they're always like diving around on the floor. Um, and, and Cliff is Cliff. Like the opening touch being, you know, the alley oop to Cliff <laughs> is uh, something I think we'll see a lot of this year. He showed his his range. He hit a, a, a knockdown three. Um, but I do agree, Andre Hyatt. If he continues to kind of progress like he showed in the first game, uh, I think we have a really really dangerous team this year. Um, and really probably a, an eight to nine man rotation that you could actually rely on. Um, I want to see Derek Simpson bounce back tonight. Yeah. Though. I, think I feel he like a, he probably, sorry. I, I just, I saw he was like, uh, his line was what, two for nine, four points, probably a little bit of, he started you know, over seven too. Yeah. Probably a little bit of freshman nerves. I'm thinking, you know, first, first really his first game. So I'm, I'm, I'm willing to write that off. So, but yeah, yeah. Same. yeah. Yeah, Sorry, I just want to see him um, – no, no, I just want to see him, you know, with a blank slate type game because it's easy when you start cold to just kind of like, you know, turtle up and, and be down, but he didn't show any of that last game. Um, I was also really impressed by Mawat Mag. I know we've heard a lot of, of good things about Mawat from, you know, a lot of different beat writers, including our own. Uh, I thought he looked really good. I, I don't remember where I read it, but – Apparently, Moat Mag, like, had some, like, eye trouble also that, uh, 
like he wasn't able to really see clearly and he had corrective surgery or he got corrective lenses or something like that this off season where now he's able to actually like see when he's playing basketball, which is uh, from what I understand a pretty important thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm just really excited for this game tonight. Rutgers is a 21 point favorite right now. I believe uh, you got hammer. They just need to, I'm not going to bet on it. I, <laughs> I, I don't like these huge spreads because especially in basketball, like it could just come down to like, Oh, we're up like 25 with four minutes left. We put all our subs in and then they, we end up winning by like 19. You know, um, I see that bad beat segment for on with uh, SVP at night with the Rutgers. I know I've, I've dealt with <laughs> enough bad beats this year to last the rest of my lifetime. So I'd rather <laughs> not deal with more. Um, so yeah, Rutgers should dominate this game. If they don't dominate this game, it's a cause for concern. Um, we just, we need to, I don't think we'll ever, I don't think we'll see another game this year where we hold an opponent to uh, under 5% shooting from three. <laughs> but that was a bit promising because anybody who watched the, the Fairfield scrimmage, they were kind of shooting uh, a crazy high percentage against us. So Columbia went one for 21. Columbia is also really bad, but <laughs> it'd be uh, nice to see. Another performance like that out of the basketball team. And I was um, thinking just before. I mean, I don't. I, we're, I'm not sure when Caleb is going to come back, but even without Caleb, I think this is a good defensive team, which I mean is really a really good, yeah, really I think positive thing for Rutgers. So even without, like I said, even without them, are good. But once they get him back, I mean, sky's the limit for this de- defensively for this team. I I think. Absolutely. I, I I think we might be one of the best defensive teams in the country once once Caleb comes back. And I don't think that's hyperbole. If, if you throw out Mag, Caleb, Cliff, Cam Spencer, and, and Paul Mokehi, um as your starting five, that's a lot of length, uh, a lot of athleticism. It's it's going to be tough to, to match up for other offenses, especially in the Big Ten. Hmm. Um, so another big thing that happened last night, which I wanted to touch on here, is uh, – so obviously, we saw our first Big Ten team championships uh, in the last, in the previous year with uh, women's field hockey, or women's field hockey, with field hockey winning the Big Ten tournament, uh, women's soccer winning the Big Ten regular season title. There still has yet to be a men's team to win a team Big Ten title, uh, but the opportunity has set itself up for Rutgers with the men's soccer team. They won last night over Ohio State 2-1. Um and they are set to play uh, – they were set to play the winner of the Maryland-Indiana game. So Maryland's the number one seed. Indiana was the four seed. Indiana upset Maryland in that semifinal. So the final is going to be played at Yersack Field on Sunday at noon. Rutgers taking on Indiana, who they, I think they beat this year or last year. Um, so now there's, it's Indiana's sixth straight appearance in the Big Ten championship game for men's soccer, which is very impressive. Uh but if you have nothing to do on Sunday and you want to support Rutgers, they've really made your sack field into a, a, a rowdy environment. They have like a whole student section there now with like Muzelas. Um Have you been following the, the soccer team at all? Not Chris? to be honest, not Craig, too much. Sorry, but Jesus I did Christ. see that they I did see they beat Ohio State and are going to the Big Ten championship. It just shows. I mean, obviously, most people I think look at basketball and football and use that as the measuring stick for uh, a program and their success. But if you look around at some of these other programs for Rutgers, like you said, whether it's field hockey, women's soccer, the lacrosse team was really good. Now we got um, the men's soccer team is the big 10 championship that 
Rutgers isn't just, you know, it's not just the basketball team performing well right now. It's it's a lot of different programs, which I think uh, for a Rutgers fan is just awesome to see. I mean, as as we, I think as we've heard and seen over the years how Rutgers, you know, doesn't belong in the Big Ten. They kind of do. I mean, they've, they've they shown that do. whether they've just shown that whether it's just even if they don't capture the championship there. I mean, even even basketball were finished fourth in the Big Ten last year. So it's just like, yeah, yeah. they kind of do belong. And if like and I know Greg Sharon always talks about if the if the football team can ever, you know, become that type of, you know, team, then oh my then really, like I said before, the sky's the limit and it's just going to be could be a fun time for uh, for a Rutgers sports fan. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think Rutgers has, has shown, a, you know, without a doubt that they belong in the Big Ten. And unfortunately, you primarily, as an athletic department, get judged based on your football team. But every other sport, for the most part, has been in the upper, like, quartile of standings for for <clears throat> their respective Big Ten standings, uh, you know, over the last year or two. So it's clear that our athletic department is – in the right direction and we're um, experiencing kind of like an unprecedented level of success for Rutgers. Um, <clears throat> so Rutgers previously in soccer played uh, at Indiana earlier this year, they tied two to two Rutgers beat Indiana in the regular season last year, but lost to them in the big 10 opening round of the big 10 uh, conference tournament. So that'll be a big matchup. If you can go, I would definitely go um, on Sunday. Rutgers also opens its wrestling season on Friday night uh, at the barn against Clarion. I don't really know much about Clarion, but this is... <laughs> well, you're not, a, you're not an expert as, on Clarion wrestling? I am not. I know <laughs> nothing about them. Uh, but Rutgers, they're not ranked, so uh, they sh- Rutgers should wipe the floor with Clarion. It's also... Uh, if, if they win, it'll be Scott Goodell's 200th win as a college coach. Um, so it'll be cool to see that if you're around as well. Um, I kind of emptied the bag on Rutgers Sports Talk. I was going to say, Is we didn't even, else? and talking about some other programs, we didn't even mention the uh, baseball team that got screwed, but, you know, it's kind of just like, yeah, like I said, it's the uh, just a good time, you know, to be a uh, Rutgers sports fan right now and, if Rutgers can, you know, beat Indiana, I think history has kind of shown when there's big games on the line between Rutgers and Indiana, Rutgers kind of comes out on top. So if they can just get another one under their belt, you know, and just another, another, another feather in their cap. Yeah, without a doubt, Rutgers has uh, kind of owned Indiana and they've been some of the biggest shit talkers as a group of fans too. So it always feels good when you can humble people and, and hopefully they learn lessons. I don't, I don't think they have. Though. <laughs> so is there anything else you wanted to hit on before we sign off here, Craig? No, I think it's just about, I think it just about covers it. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we appreciate you tuning in once again. It's been another edition of the Night Report podcast. Signing off. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.